about people who wouldn't understand. Genocide, the method of systematic extermination of a people. Think of the historical precedent. Oh, I, I fully understand your author's pride. But from a practical point of view, this little mixture of mine is as lethal as cyanide. And as selective as a lady buying perfume. You'll just work on the black folks. Leave the rest of us alone? You better be damn sure. Just like sickle cell anemia, Mr. Fanner. And like sickle cell anemia, will not affect people of the Caucasian race. You have my personal guarantee. How fast does this stuff work? 72 hours at the most. To God, seven days to create the world. We can cleanse it. Just three. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion engaged. Again, folks, I'm your host, D-Bert, a.k.a. The Afro-Nerd, and this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro-Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. And guess what? Oftentimes, the mighty and uncanny Daryl B. The call-in number for the duration, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Trying to give you a full plate per usual, people. We're probably going to dig in, well, I will dig in. I think the captain respectfully has had enough. <laughs> but this topic appears to have legs. But I'm going to say my piece and then finalize it for like a few minutes. A sum- summation on the Gale and Oprah and Kobe, as I see it, as many, many men of color see it, as a kind of disrespect. Uh, I was going back and forth with some of our listeners <laughs> or listener on Twitter, and I'm just going to finalize it. And it, it, if many or some perceive me to be incongruent or two-faced or confusing, uh, that's part of the human condition. On an occasion, 
A broken clock, yes, I say it all the time, a broken clock will tell the correct time twice a day. Also, Mike Bloomberg, his honor himself, former male, uh, pardon me, former mayor of New York City, and now Democratic presidential hopeful, there's some audio that came out where he really tripled down on his stop and frisk initiative, highly controversial stop and frisk initiative. He doubled down on it, but this time he said it, well, actually, on two occasions, he, he tripled, quadrupled down on it, and in a political, politically incorrect way. So we'll dig into that. Uh, Cynthia Arrivo, Harriet Tubman from a few months ago, now she's black, <laughs> black British at it again, or British black at it again, British black at it again, portraying a ADOS, American descendant of slave, slavery, iconic soul singer, Aretha Franklin. So I think this topic of those across the pond who look like us but portraying embedded North American characters, black characters, someone's going to make an issue with it. So we'll talk about that. Birds of Prey has to change their name. There's a lot going on. Uh, Basketball great Dwayne Wade introduces his now daughter, at one point his son, now daughter. A lot to get into, people. Just a lot. Again, feel free to buzz in, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Let's get to a groove. Now, I don't normally play a hell of a lot of Michael Jackson. I thought he was a little too pop, albeit talented. But look. We all grew up with this gentleman, the late Michael Jackson, and there's things, there's, there's songs that I like. This song I like in its original form, but I'm going to play this remix, kind of an Italian gondola vibe or something. Anyway, another part of me, another part of me, MJ, two minutes, let's groove.
special remix once again, the mighty and late Michael Jackson, another part of me. You know, I have a, a different thing about that song. It's something, it's like a, 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 you know how people play around and they have their own lyrics. I don't know, I'll, I'm going to get into a joke. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> anyway, folks, later on, I'll, I'll goof around. Uh, I am your host, D-Bert, a.k.a. The Afro. Let's just get it in. My partner in white collar crime, he is here, simply Captain James T. Kirk. You need it on the bridge. Let's get to it, sir. You can go home now. We have already taken out the garbage. I wanted to question them. We have the answers we need. I guess that means I have questions for you. Goodbye, Captain America. We need to talk. Maybe you just lop off the head of every newcomer who hits town. If we did that, you wouldn't have yours. But those Nazis were here for a reason. Yes, to steal our vibranium. The mineral that can only be found here, in Wakanda. Hitler needs it for the next generation of their missile systems. As do you. These are dangerous times. You need to choose a side. We have our own. We take our borders very seriously, and you have crossed ours. Now look here. Mistake. Okay, buddy. I've just about had it. You're just plain rude. Move back. I've been following your fledgling career, Steve Rogers. How did you know my name? I think in time. You will represent to your nation what the Black Panther represents to Wakanda. And that is a good thing. But today, I must teach you a lesson. Now, I have to start beat. That's how the black man told jail. <laughs> Get in your feelings. <laughs> Go ahead. I had to do it. Let me get a remix. Let me get a remix. She's just another nod to me. She's just another nod to me. But I love Rihanna's feet. But I love Rihanna's feet. Okay, I had to get that out. I had to get. That. I'm sorry, Captain. I had to get that out. Like all the emotion, all the emotion, boy. Let me tell you. So I'll say this thing one quick for people. Some people say the captain should talk more. No, I shouldn't. If I talked more, it'd be a boring show. You have to understand the show is as KRS One, the great would say, edutainment. You got to balance somebody like me. Because me, I get right to the point, and it's boring. It's actually boring. It's very, it's very boring. But when you got 
uh, Afrin obloviating, you understand, you could make it very, very good show. And you just interject me from time to time. That's why it's Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. You understand? Pay attention. You know what we're doing here, man. You know, you got to have a little fun with this. Not just the fact. That's more or less me, according to the the Nah, man. You have some of the emotional effects. You know, that that makes the show. makes the show much better. I listen to the playback. Once in a while, it's good to have me with my long little diatribe, and then I interject, and I interject. That makes it good. But otherwise, just, nah, it doesn't work. It's boring. All right? So I just w- want to tell you that so you people will know. Shut up. Let's listen to the show. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? You know, I think even you on occasion, you will say woo-saw, you know, to kind of calm down the nerves, uh, readjust yeah. the limbic system. See, for me, it's like, again, I love Rihanna's feed. <laughs> see, see, if I say that, for some reason, it calms my nerves. I, I suggest other other masculine men. Just, you know, you're just another nod to me. But I love Rihanna's feet. See, you do that. Ah, same thing as Musaw. Same thing. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I do love Rihanna's feet, by the way. Oh, anyway. So. Yeah, I see. <laughs> oh, whoo. So. Uh, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620, really a blistering couple of days stemming from that Gail Oprah thing. And I'm not going to really belabor this and go into a, a long-winded, uh, I'm just going to revisit it for a moment so I can just put the nail into the slab and, uh, you know, now, as expected, you have these thought pieces or these think pieces where they're getting into Snoop Dogg and they're shocked that Snoop Dogg uses the B word. He's been using the B word as a part of his business plan since 1992. So I'm and just – or 93. <laughs> you know, hey, exactly. oh, let's, not forget the, let's not forget that he doesn't love them hoes. Okay, <laughs> so that's literally how he speaks, Literally. So it, it can't be a shocker that uh, that's like Jackie Chan. You'll be shocked if he speaks Mandarin. I mean, this is this is Snoop's Mandarin. Um, I, I look, I I I have called him, although I believe believe him to be extremely talented when it comes down to lyrical ability and dexterity and classic. No, he's still part of that classic hip hop scene, although he was a West Coast gangster rapper. You know we're we're East Coast Queensmen, but I still I still appreciated some of the musicality behind what he was doing and the the G funk and and the 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 uh, Roger Troutman and George Clinton riffs that they used. However, the content was problematic. He's problematic. I've always said that. I've always said that he he represents the lower tier. Yes, that's true. But but two things can be true. Two things. Two things can be true. I have a problem with him. I have a problem with. I have a problem with Trump. Guess what? I'm a conservative. I'm a registered, registered Republican and conservative, right? But I don't agree with really 99.5 percent of what Trump is doing, as far as his comportment, how he acts, how he speaks. I don't like the guy. He lies like in the thousands of times. Let me repeat that. He lies. They have this. They have this actually. Uh, 
annotated. They, 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 people are tracking. We have, we have fact checkers. So he is, he is quantifiably a liar. But, you know, thousands of lies, like a lotto ticket, wow, I guess my, my ticket hit. My ticket hit. I won one. After 1,050 plays, I won a ticket. I mean, that's, that's how Lotto wins. You have people who play, oh, I've been playing Lotto for 10 years. I finally won one. Well, after 1,000 bitches and hoes, he might have, he landed, landed its usage in a way that you said, you know what, mm, I'm not quite as angry as I should be this time. Maybe the the affront to masculinity. You know, this is not coming. This is not in a in a vacuum, Captain. You know, this is not happening in a vacuum. Uh, I've been paying close attention to other podcasters, listening to even Yvette Carnell, and she weighed in on a certain way. And you know, those they're radicals. You know, respectfully, uh, uh, Counselor Moore and, and um, a foundational black founder. Tariq Nasheed and all those things, they're at it, you know, even those two have battles, or those three, they're battling each other on social media. However, they did seem to agree that Gail King really was being subversive and a little slick. The questioning was relitigation. Let me repeat that. The questioning, or the second, the, the second tail end questioning, yeah, she's a, she's a journalist. She has a right to ask, to ask questions, but not all questions are necessarily appropriate in in the context of of the time of a tragic death with an iconic, no, uh, an iconic, notable, and that person's daughter. This is a specific situation that happened so recently, where the man literally has not been buried, and you, you're kind of doubling down. On a resolved issue, resolved 17 years ago, you're taking advantage of the zeitgeist. It's Me Too. If Me Too never happened, I don't think that question would have been brought up. You had to ask that question in the context. You had to ask. I will agree. You had to ask a question, kind of, sorta. But then, your the second question, Captain, was relitigation. Can't do that. Uh, a comparison I made on Twitter was many folk, many folk, although he, he's, he's not held to this standard, amazingly, he talking about our president, President Trump, many newscasters, just man about town, or man or woman about, about town, you will hear on an occasion, they will critique President Trump for the ad that he took out 30 years ago against what who they call now the acquitted five, the Central Park Five, that heinous act yeah, yeah, resulting yeah. In, yeah. in in the rape the rape of a Wall Street executive, the raping of a Wall Street executive. These they were young men, you know, mid teens at the time. Now these men are pushing 50, but they did many years in prison. And false confessions. Ava, Duver, Ava Duvernay had a documentary, a, a highly acclaimed documentary, and 
when all has been had been said and done, their convictions through a second look, a third look, through DNA evidence, through the actual perp's confession. Let me repeat that: the actual perp's confession and the DNA confirmation. Those convictions were vacated. It was determined that their confessions were coerced. So now, you know, when you, when you factor in all those things, we can't even call them the Central Park Five. Now they're called the the Acquitted Five. But when 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 Trump still Trump still doubles down, double down. Doubles down, pardon me, doubles down, and he says, well, I'm not so sure about that. Really, though. So after the, 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 vaca- the vacated convictions, after the DNA evidence, after the, the actual person saying, yeah, I did it, you choose to ignore that. This is the same, this is the same as Gail King asking Lisa Leslie, well, you really, you know, how, you really would know, you really would know um, all that there is to know. I'm paraphrasing, but you would know all that there is to know about um, about Kobe, Kobe Bryant. You really, you know, you you couldn't know. Okay, wait a minute. Wasn't this case dismissed? Why why are you why are you referring to the accuser as the victim? You see what I mean? When you see, you have so many, so many Asperger syndrome afflicted nerds on the internet that I'm looking at people going piece by piece. They're practically slowing down the footage to go. You know he really did that, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Come on. I mean, I'm looking at even I had to say they're going into like look at her right eyes twitching. Something's up. They're going into this woman. When you start to like piece it out like that, All come right. on. Finish up. Finish up. Well, okay. I know. I know. I, I'm, so, I'm going to say my piece real quick. Yes. Too. Finish up. So, so look. The the deal is, we're not all going to we're not all going to agree. A broken clock does amazingly tell the correct time twice a day. It does. You should try it sometimes. It does. So I don't approve of Snoop Dogg's persona. I don't. I have a problem with him. And actually, I would even approve of someone pulling his card. Everybody, what have I said? That uh, entertainers have to, black entertainers especially, their cards should be pulled. We should be divesting from all these people. They're whack jobs. But every once in a while, you know, a whack job, a crazy person, you know, uh, they might say something that says that says, "Oh wow, he's you know that that mathematical equation that he spat out was actually correct." When you ran the numbers, he was right this time. I won lotto. Wow, after a thousand plays, I won lotto. I mean, this is not rocket science. It, you know, just uh, I again, the larger issue is a large swath of black men rose up and said, "You know what? You two women." have been somewhat low-key campaigning against black men at the exclusion of some people that are a little bit too close to you. You have white satellites revolving around you two women 
and you seem to be going out of this universe into the black you. universe. <laughs> well, I, I had, I'm not look. I have to. I have to make it clear because obviously I'm not. I still get questioned, and I'm like, yeah, you know, look. You're still not making it clear. <laughs> well, you, I, I never, you think you are. You think you are. Let me, let me add oh, this, man, and let's ahead. move on, man. Look, I love Rihanna's feed. Just another nod to me. Here's the thing. You hear the captain say, fairness is an illusion, right? Fairness is an illusion to protect you from the strong, to no avail. When you have power, do what you want, all right? History is written by the victors. That doesn't mean it's accurate. How many times that we have seen scholars outside of the university, you have the state-mandated truth, that's what they teach in school, and scholars come along. You don't know if that's true, neither, because none of us was there. That's why I say history like that. You know, according to historical record, none of us were there. You see scholars come along, well, what he's saying is more probable. We don't know if that's true. But that's probably more or less how it went. But the state that has all the power, what they teach you in school, teaches you that this is this. They have the power. All right? So it goes that way, whether it's true or not. They don't want you to get what they call what is real. Yeah, just like Christopher Columbus, the you know, 1492. Yeah, there's people already here who all thought that, you see? So we know what the state does. Now, when you see something like this, right or wrong, Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Stop getting into all of this, well, you know, this is correct, that's correct, that's You're not going to prove that with people because how humans make decisions. You don't make logical decisions. It's all emotion, and you should see that with here, within here. You know, it's all emotion, not logic. One thing we can prove, that the power in this situation got together and smacked down Gale. She tried to repel the power. She wasn't even prepared because she didn't know that kind of power was there. So power won out right here. Now, everybody can go ahead and go, oh, well, yo, this is wrong. This you can debate that for the next 10 years. But power is going to win. That's why I tell you all the time. Let the people, let's talk about the Jewish people, all right? Not in this country, but let's say in France. Let a historian come along and say, I don't think uh, 6 million people died. I have the proof here. The Jewish people, with the power, will have that guy ousted one, two, three. That's power. Doesn't matter what facts, even if he's right or wrong, even if he's right or wrong, the power does not like it. So you run into problems. Don't we know that's what the Jewish community does? Do it all the time. You can't even debate things with the Jewish community. So here you have... The power, which were the black men, didn't like it. Just didn't like it. And they reacted to Gale. Gale didn't know that power was there, got hit with it, could not repel it. It's not a matter if it's right or wrong. It's not a matter of that. You will lose against the power. You go to work and have to do certain things that your boss tells you all the time that might not necessarily be right in respect to the job. But the power is the bee that's coming down, dressed this way, wear your hair this way, this, you know, this type of thing. That's the power. Not so much whether it's right or wrong. And you will compi- comply within reason. If it goes too far, you say, I'm out of here. You understand? Simply put, that's what happened here, man. The power just came and said, that's it. Couldn't repel that power. 
doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. This is what's going to happen. So we could debate for the next 15 years whether it was a good journalist or whether it wasn't, wasn't with that. That doesn't matter. Power didn't like it. So there you go. That's it. That's how power works. That's why I say these things. And that comes from a religion. Actually, fairness is illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, do what you want. That comes from the Talmud, baby. <laughs> Not my words. Yeah, you know, I, I fail to acknowledge the different and new cold opening. The, that cold opening that I played was from Three the Hard Way, 1974. We've referenced it ad nauseum on the show. And I suspect it's Sergio Mims, uh, you know, his favorite movie, uh, pre-Avengers, uh, and I just happened to revisit it. I didn't see the whole thing, but, you know, it's been so long, so I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to go through it. But I did, you know, I did kind of scan it, scan it. Three, three the hard way. So, you know, uh, when Sergio goes into, I want people to be, I, you know, I want to see people fighting racists and stuff. Now I kind of get it. Not that I don't dislike that or whatever, but uh, Three the Hard Way really was a pretty good film I, I, you know, for, for its day. So I'm going to have to definitely, um, you know, the, 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 the black exploitation period, you know, you know it's hit, hit and misses. I mean, that's just, to be, that's just life. There's hit and misses. But, yeah, I mean, to see these, these strong black men fighting against the system – um, it wasn't as cartoonish as, as like some other black exploitation movies that are out there. So I'm going to have had to definitely... good jobs, too. <laughs> you know? So I, I kind of dig it, but I, I guess I got in my... I got kind of in my limbic system because I said, wow, these brothers are kind of getting it together. And it, it made me feel like... It made me feel like Three to Hallway is getting ready to get, go down. <laughs> Like it's happening, you know. Anyway, um, so let's let's move forward. And, and folks, again, if you haven't guessed it, this is the midweek in review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. You can join in six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five nine six two zero. All right. So, oh, I see Sergio. He just popped in. As soon as I mentioned three the hard way, <laughs> you know what? You Hold go, on one you second. You're going to go into a vortex. Relax. No, 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 no. Not, well, you know. Yeah, you uh, are. I can, I can see it, as you would say, your precog abilities. I can see it. Go on to the next topic. Well, <laughs> I know right. we're going to go to We're going to go to but let me let me play this. Let me revisit this op- this cold opening. Cold opening. This is uh, the maniacal folks. Uh, <laughs> Trump and his minions. <laughs> anyway, hold on. Genocide. There are people who wouldn't understand. Genocide, the method of systematic extermination of a people. Think of the historical precedent. Oh, I I fully understand your author's pride. But from a practical point of view, this little mixture of mine is as lethal as cyanide. And as selective as a lady buying perfume. You'll just work on the Black folks, leave the rest of us alone? You better be damn sure. Just like sickle cell anemia, Mr. Fenner, and like sickle cell anemia, will not affect people of a 
Caucasian race. Yet my personal guarantee. How fast does this stuff work? 72 hours at the most. To God, seven days to create the world. <laughs> we can cleanse it. Just three. Okay. But see, my way is to who saw a game. I love Ray Honor's feet. You see how I feel better? I feel yeah, clean. Man. I got I gotta add something now before you play that clip. <laughs> I gotta add something. Go ahead. Two Middle America, Latinx, and the black man didn't take your job, you see. A lot of these jobs, let's say that would have been here in America, $28 an hour with the call centers. They pick up, you pick up something, you're calling, calling somebody for, like, information, and they can't even talk English properly at times. We all know them. We all know the companies that's using them. Uh, black people didn't do that. There's not black people at the top at the poor. Fortune 500 companies. It's not Latin people at the top of Fortune 500 companies. It's not Latin people or black people at the top of big business that sent you all these jobs overseas where they can make more money, but you at home make less money, you know? So all of that talk where you're worried about, oh, the Latin man or the black man, it's not them. It's not them. It's your own upper tier comrade that has did, done this to you. Not me. It's not African Earth. We're not that high up, at least not yet anyway. <laughs> you know? So just for your FYI, you can look that up. Look at it all, You can look at all the things that they sent overseas that they're saying they're hoping that the coronavirus brings back here to America. So a lot of you middle American people can get your acts together, so to speak. I just add that there. You know? That's all. I'm going to bring in Sergio, but I will say this. Um, I, I think actually you sent me or something. No, it wasn't you. I think it was uh, Tokyo Mike. He sent me a statistic. You know, there's a, there's a constant talk, especially nowadays, of income inequality. So it mentioned something about how many, how many millionaires there are. No, let me rephrase that. How many billionaires there are in this country. I think it's yeah. almost like. I think 700 billionaires, to the, I think, in America, like 740-something billionaires and five black billionaires. And I think in the world, there's over 2,000 billionaires. And I think maybe 10 African, if you include like the five that are here and Africa, Africa. so you have, you have like 10 black billionaires. 2,000 worldwide and 740-something in North America. And it goes to show you, I'm just going, just going by off the top of the dome, not, a, not an economist, but if you, if you were to say, let's say um, black people comprise 15% of the population, mm-hmm. we, we would probably be in a better positioning if we had at least 90 90 black billionaires like 15 percent of 200 i mean 740 is like 90 something we have five 
Like if you if all things were being fair, based based on your demographic, we're supposed to have around we're supposed to have at least ninety out of seven hundred and forty. If we had ninety, black people would be in better in better shape. That's true. We only have five. Just that's I mean true. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean that's that's when you know we we're, we're in a hell of a position as black people. That's true. That's true. So whatever go, was ever going on with Oprah and all that stuff, and, and you run the numbers, it's not good. It's, it's not good. Anyway, let's bring in Sergio. Uh, we're going to keep it tight. And I think what we're going, just for S and giggles, we're going to go into uh, this Dwayne Wade situation. And I'm going to keep it respectful because that, I, because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> anyway, uh Sergio, city ass yeah. from Chicago. No, I I heard three the hard way and I called. So anyway, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> it's not on blue. Is it on Blu-ray, Sergio? No, it is so. not. No, it is you not. Are, man. It is. It is. It is owned by Warner Brothers. Now, it's gone through several owners. Uh, they do own it now. They have released it on DVD. I do have that. But it has not been released on Blu-ray yet, but maybe one day it will be, uh, particularly the Warner Archive Library. They've already released on Blu-ray, like the Shaft movies, and um, what else did they release on Blu-ray? Cleopatra Jones. And they released a couple other black films on Blu-ray uh, from the period. So I, I can see Three the Hard Way being on that list one day. You know, I don't really have much to say about Dwayne Wade. Well... I don't have much to say that would be respectful. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Sorry. There we go. All right. Well, you know, we actually, uh, at the top of the show, Sergio, I gave a summation on the Gail Oprah thing. I just said, you know, you can listen to the play, Black. I'm not going to go back into it again, but I, I put the final nail on that one, from my opinion, because it, it, we're getting a lot of differing, diverging, op- uh, diverging opinions on this thing, and that's fine, but... I think people are befuddled that they don't understand why black men may not be respectful this time around. Or a large of us, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> well, a lot, I, I, a lot of us feel like, keep, like it's it. Well, just keep this in mind. Gail King said in an interview that she still considers Charlie Rose her friend. Mm. There you go. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, I agree with you. That, that's it. All right, so uh, you know what? Let me play. Let me. Um, what's today's date? Two twelve. Twelve. All right. I uh, I downloaded a clip or uploaded a, a clip to be more specific of the Ellen DeGeneres show, where basketball retiree Dwayne Wade explains, unpacks about his son now daughter and the whole pronoun change and. This transition and uh, I, I look, it's above my pay grade. It's above my pay grade, but it's worthy of discussion. And I think actually, um, he's getting a lot of support. He's getting a lot of support, but he's getting a lot of derision. I think from from black folk. So I don't know what to think. Anyway, I'm going to play this clip. A couple of minutes of it. It's like four minutes. I'm not going to go through, through, through the entire four minutes, but let's listen to Mr. Wade, and then we'll unpack. Hold on. 
Thanks for being here. That Thank was you. a clip from the ESPN docu documentary. And um, first of all, I just I think it's what every you know every parent should be is what you're being right now, which is unconditionally loving your child and supporting you. your child in whoever they are. I mean, that's. There are so many parents that are just, oh, you're not going the way I imagined or wanted you to be and freak out. And you're so loving and supportive of Zaya. And, and what a special child she is. Yes, she is. She is. Thank you so much for that. Um, first of all, me and my wife, my wife, Gabrielle um, Union, we are, we are proud. When I say proud, we are proud parents um, of a child in the LGBTQ plus uh, community. And we're proud allies as well. Um, and we, we take our, our roles and our responsibility as parents very seriously. Um, so when our, when our child comes home with a question, when our child comes home with an issue, when our child comes home with anything, it's our job as parents to listen to that, to give them the best information that we can, the best feedback that we can. Um, and that doesn't change because sexuality is now involved in it. So once Zaya, a 12-year-old, came home, um, and first Zion, everybody, I don't know if everyone knows, originally named Zion, Zion born. Um, as a boy, came home and said, hey, uh, so I want to talk to you guys. Um, you know, I think going forward, I'm ready to live my truth. And I want to be uh, referenced as she and her. Uh, I would love for you guys to call me Zaya. And so internally, now is our job to, one, go out and get information, to reach out to every relationship that we have. My wife reached out to everybody on the, the uh, cast of Pose. Um, we're just trying to figure out as much information we can to make sure that we give our child the best opportunity to be, you know, her best self. Yeah, I mean, I would think that it's one thing... It's one thing to, to have this at home, but n knowing that she's going to be out in the world, because yep. you're a public figure, and even if you weren't, she's going to school, and to want to be protective and to make sure she's safe, yes. um, that must be a scary thing, because it's one thing for you to love her and, ex and, and your wife to love her, but that must, you just want everyone to love her the same way. Exactly. And once Zion, once Zion came home and said, hey, I'll, you call me Zion, I'm ready to take on this, um, I looked at it and said, you are a leader. You are a leader, and it's our opportunity to allow you to be a voice. Right now, it's through us, because she's 12 years old, but eventually, it would be through her. Right. Well, and Listen is an organization you're working with, and there's a lot of, if anybody else there out there can relate to this and, and needs help, you can go to our website and we can direct you, because I'm sure there are a lot of people that just don't know what to do, yeah. so you're a great example. Thank you. Um, the, I know that uh, everybody is still grieving uh, over the loss of Kobe yeah. and all the people that we lost. Okay, even I've had, a, you know, even I've, I'm still dealing with Kobe. I don't want to give, that's a whole, well, let's cut it there. Uh, he looks like they would have go into that. So, okay, we've had our fair share of discussing Mr. Bryant, the late Mr. Bryant. All right, so, Captain, um, Pass this this bit to me. I tell you, I tell you what it is. Let me tell you. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. All right, I'll tell you. I am not equipped to speak or say anything about this. I just listen. That's it. Way beyond me. That's all I gotta say. Let me bring back Sergio. <laughs> Even he wants to be quiet. Yeah. Let me repeat that. Even Sergio wants to be. You know quiet on this so let me bring him back sergio i i can't i can't <laughs> i 
this is child abuse. This is really child abuse. This is a 12-year-old well, got... child. What does a 12-year-old child know about anything about sexuality? This is well. abuse. I, the only question I have is where does Gabrielle keep the jar where she keeps Dwayne Wade's balls in? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Gee. The opinions <laughs> of Africa yeah. Radio, I mean, you know. I mean, that disclaimer, I'm going to have a professional disclaimer uh, made. Um, yes, you will. We have another caller, 314. Let me, let me bring in 314 and, and see what this person has to say. Maybe they, they, they can, maybe they know more about this than we do. I, 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 I'm going to, you know, look, this, again, this is above my pay grade to the audience. I'm still going to give you an opinion for what, for what I know or what I think, but I'm going to be, at least try to be respectful. It's a young it's a young person, so it's a young person, so you have to be respectful. All right, three one four. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. What's up? It's Pianchi calling from the Midwest, and I really forget what I was going to actually ask you. What's up? <laughs> but well, uh, well, we're I don't know about what this Dwayne Wade thing. Yeah, I see that. Uh, well, I just have to wish them luck. And what they oh, <laughs> remind me to comment on Ellen. Ellen, please. I just have to wish them luck. It's, it's the times that we lived in, and I blame it on the last president because oh, he put it out there on. in a position where oh, it could come be. On, That's come my on. opinion. No, no, no. Listen, Servigo, I'm not talking to you. Let me say, you mispronounced my name. Well, you, but you answered, though, didn't you? We call you Servigo. Well, because most people mispronounce it, but you mispronounce it. All right, it. well, I'm Go sorry, ahead. but please don't break in on my conversation. I think I like Serpico better. Yeah. As I was saying before, that uh, I think this is a, a lot of this had to do with the last administration, my opinion. Uh, what's going to happen when three months from now he go back wanting to be like he uh, came into the world as an identifier? Is he going to want to play sports, girl sports, and shower in the girls' uh, facility? So those are the questions I had that somebody's got to face in the future. But uh, on Ellen, I despise this lady. And uh, you know the incident with the young man that was not allowed to walk across the stage because he wouldn't trim his hair above his collar like the rules right. stated in the school? Right. Well, she, she – you know, and, and at that school, that school is like 99.5% white. And this kid who who derives from uh, Trinidad, by the way, but she gave him a scholarship, which I think you already know. But he was defiant of the rules. I don't know if he had a father at home. I've seen him many times pictured with his mother. But he was defiant of the rules that had been established for 30 years. It was other African-Americans going to the school with locked hair, but they kept it trimmed according to the rules and regulations. Now, this is what I ask. By giving him a reward for being defined of the rules, what does that say to the other students? That's the question. Well, look, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to say... And I'm not I, arguing with the students. Kind of, I'm arguing with her. Well, well we're, we're, I kind of agree with you. Okay, the only problem with that is we have a large contingent, and I hear them all the time. 
that when it comes down to uh, black hair and black male hair and black male hair, black male hair length and rules, uh, they seem not to think that, you know, people are entitled or organizations are entitled to to lay down certain kind of guidelines. I mean, it's not even a racial thing because they they wouldn't they have been white students with long hair that tried to buck the rules and they were you know, why have them? Are are, are schools entitled to have any kind of rules? So, you know, dress code. And you know what else nerd? Get this. Let's go a little bit further with these these varying viewpoints. You remember Gabby Douglas, the gymnast? Yes. Oh, yeah. You remember the flack that she received on social media from black respondents saying all sort of derogatory things about her hair? Basically, Mm -hmm. they wanted her to have a weave, which is fake hair. But she's in a profession, and she's wearing her hairstyle according to the benefits of their profession. Why would they make those comments on her? Then you have others making comments criticizing black women that wear uh, tints in their hair, that wear blonde tints in their hair, wear weaves, period. Then let's take a little bit further. Black women criticize Kobe for marrying a Latino lady. They say he should have married a sister from the hood. It just goes on and on and on. Well, you know what? Um, I'm listening to what you're telling me, and I, I'm, I'm halfway there on a lot of what, of your critique. You actually, you know something? You reminded me of something. This is kind of a funny, a funny anecdote. I'm glad you brought up um, the weave thing. I got a, I got a story that Mr. St- Mr. Uh, Captain Kirk's predecessor, Mr. Starks, who was uh, a member of our program. I spoke to him a few days ago. Uh, as many of our listeners know, Mr. Starks is an administrator in a public school system in Long Island, New York. So um, we're, we're in the midst of Black History Month. Let me, re- let me repeat that. We're in the midst of Black History Month. And as you know, many of our schools are run by women, which is fine, which is fine. Um, what would also be fine, of course, if we had more male involvement, just for the sake of parity. But the reality is, Many of these schools are run or helmed by women. That's that's what that's what it is. Not that it's a negative, but I think it would be fine to have more men, male educators. So what am I getting at? Black History Month. I think the first Monday of Black History Month, he says that the principal made an announcement over the loudspeaker. Oftentimes, the students. You know, as a little thing, they let the, they let the kids actually recite something about, about black history. But this time around, I have to admit, when he told me this story, I was angry. The principal, she made a big whoop-de-doo or a big, a big deal about announcing the inventor of the weave as a black history moment. So I'm like, Okay, what what am I missing? So, out of A. G. Gaston, out of even, out of even um, C. J. Madam C. J. Walker, who was who was a a business person in the hair industry, she had to give kudos to to the 
the black woman inventor of the weave. I, I said it is, and it, a lot of people, the, some of the women co-signed and, and kind of were were ebullient. You know, they could you could hear it throughout the the school of of, of woo hoos over over like what I consider to be anti-blackness. But where where are we? When you this is a predominantly black and brown school where a black teacher gives props to the inventor of the weave versus oh I don't know uh, Charles Drew <laughs> you know Phyllis Wheatley no well, the, could, the first day the first day is the inventor of the weave am I missing they could something? add me in there too hey I'm the, the, the uh, I'm the uh, structure steel director uh, only uh, first black in the Midwest. Why come I'm not in these books? But uh, and you know another thing too. Get a week. The they talk. They talk about ethnic hairstyles, but it's not real hair in many cases. Well, actually, more cases than not, it's not real hair. So maybe that's why come they don't want to trim it because it won't grow back. Uh, well, look. Let's, let's get back to the, let's get back to this uh, this 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 uh, Zaya. Zaire, I think, is the the young man's name becoming a young woman as Zaya. So let, let me let me put your mic on hold. Thank you for for calling us. I'm gonna go into this a little bit, and I'm gonna try to be very respectful. So again, I can only imagine that this is a very difficult, trying, and unusual circumstance that. You probably wouldn't want to wish on many parents. I, I would I would assume I'm not a parent, but I've been. I but I am a a, a child of a of parents, and I would assume that you know your parents want you to be healthy, and not to have um, a life that is problematic and troubling and and, and just difficult. Your your parents always, at least many functional parents, try to imbue their children. Or give their children what what they can to make sure that they they they're able to transition. Let alone forget about tr- transitioning into a different sex or gender. Transitioning from child to adult, and and being able to raise an, a, a logical human being that won't uh, build some global nuclear bomb. <laughs> okay, you want someone who's a functional adult that's respectful. And not criminal. I mean, that's that's ultimately what you would want. This is something that, to me, is so out of the universe. And I, I've said this before. I become leery when I'm beginning to see a fair share of black folk being used as what I consider to be a petri dish for this kind of thing. It seems like we see a hell of a lot of black people, even with someone like Billy Porter, the actor Billy Porter, who now his claim to fame and shtick, alongside with his acting prowess, I'm, I don't, you know, I know of him a little bit, but I can't even, I can't even say really much about what he does. But I know he's an actor, but he's getting a lot of public access, a lot of societal access 
because he wears a dress, these really flamboyant dresses. I don't see the white male equivalent of that. You know, the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, that was a show that was out there um, maybe 10 years ago. They brought it back, I think, with some of the, the original players. Those guys wear business suits. They actually are, you know, they're, they're into a haberdashery. They're, they, they dress quite well. Addison Cooper, um, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, uh, Farrow, Mr. Farrow. I can't remember his, his first name. Mia Farrow's son, who is a journalist. Roman Farrow. Rowan Farrow, thank you. He dresses like like a CEO. I mean, many of the high-profile gay folk, white gay folk, aren't doing what Billy Porter is doing. Now, I'm sure there are, undoubtedly. I mean, you have, they, have, they have gay parades in Manhattan for the last, I don't know, 30 years or, or, or so. Um, I'm sure they're in the parades, but I don't see them as public figures accessing power. I don't see it. So to me, this stuff rings of design. That's where you lose me a bit. I I think this is an orchestrated and or planned event. And I have yet to see dysfunctionalism not not be strewn through blackness. Anytime they want to push some agenda or push something that they don't necessarily want to have a white face, give it to Mikey. Give it to black Mikey. He will eat anything. And this is where I think this is at. So when I saw, as I just played that clip, with Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade came off not like someone talking about his child matter-of-factly or not talking about his child in, in a, a comfortable or natural way. To me, it seemed like this is recitation. It, it just doesn't, the, oracle, the oracle had to speak about me. He wouldn't need a script to speak about his son. He wouldn't. I could speak about any, my, my mother, my father, and, 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 and so forth, and many, many of my people... They would just go into a. They could just speak about you. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't sound like like all these bullet points to make sure that it was an agenda. That's my problem. It sounds a little too much like an agenda. Maybe it's child abuse, but you can't say that now. I, I'm in line with what Sergio was saying. Some folks have likened it to that. That at, at 12 years of age, 12 year olds come up with all kinds of goofy ish. And a a parent that is on top of his or her game, 98% of the time, knocks that stuff down. We're, we're seeing cases of now adult transgenders who are saying, you know what? I regret, the ch- I regret some of this stuff. I, I, you know, this was a phase I was going through. Now that I'm 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age, I don't know if I would do this again. So to be so... To be so committed on what a 12-year-old says, a 12-year-old might think it's a good idea to smoke weed, to do roofies, to snort coke, to, to steal, to take a car, 
You know, we saw a kid, what, that, that famous kid that was, I think he's like 20-something now, so much time has passed. But that kid that made the news because he took his grandmother's car and went joyriding, he was like six years old. That kid, I think, is like 25 or something now. But he made the news. Now, he, he just took the car because he wanted to. So we're gonna keep we're gonna we're gonna give that that same kind of power to a twelve year old who knows what they want. I don't get it. If someone could explain it to me, this this is so new for someone to be so committed as if this is as this this is fact. I'm I'm lost, but I I wish the. I wish the family no ill will. I wish them the best, but I I don't think we should be following these people. I don't think I think black folk need to be about flat blackness right now. I'm going to leave it at that. I think black people need to be about flat blackness. This is something you might as well you might as well be speaking Greek to me. But I do wish them no harm. I wish them the best. I wish them success. But this isn't something that I think should be promoted to black and brown communities. I don't think it should be promoted on Front Street in the sense of someone being a minor. This is a 12-year-old boy. At least, at least last time I checked, he was a boy. That's it. That's it. Captain, any, anything else? I'm going to go to a quick break. We're going to go into something else. I go, we're going to go into this Harley Quinn name change nonsense and Cynthia Erivo. I said my piece. That's all I was like. That's it. All right, Serge, hold on. Uh, I'm sure you, you want to speak about Cynthia Erivo, more ADOS versus black British uh, issues, birds of prey. Uh, we'll see what it does the second week. This name change I find very curious. Anyway, this is Gary Clark Jr. and The Roots. This land, this land. Two minutes, we'll be right back. Model A, right in the middle of truck country. 
told you there goes the neighborhood. Now, Mr. Williams, that is so funny. I see you looking out your window. Rain wait to call the police on me. And I know you think I'm up to something. I'm just eating, I was still hungry. This is mine, I was just lying. Even if you can't take it from me, I remember when they used to tell me. Run, run, go back where you come from. Run, run, go back where you come from. We don't want, we don't want your kind. We think you the wrong one. I'm a parrot Once in a while, 
Hollywood or the powers that be pick somebody and start putting them in everything. I don't know what kind of deal she's made. I don't know who she's doing. Well, we know that's Lena Waits now. But I don't know what the hell is going on here. Um, and on top of that, she's on that show. What's the show? Because actually I like it very much, this HBO series, The Outsider, which comes mm-hmm. on Sunday night. She's in that show. She has a major role in that show. And actually I don't like her performance in that in that show at all. She plays sort of like a... Uh, a um, well, you may kind of dig it. She plays a sort of a supernatural investigator um, right. in the show. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I am surprised. I'm sure it's going to come out. I'm sure that, well, maybe simply because a lot of people don't know about it yet. Now that the first trailer has come out, I think now more people will be talking about it. It's maybe because there really hasn't been much publicity about this fact that she's playing Aretha Franklin. But I have a feeling once people start seeing it and talking about it, it um, there's going to be a lot of angry talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, we're talking about the Queen of Soul. Right. And I, and I, a person of extremely iconic to black music in America. Now, I know soul music is highly revered in, Brit, in, in Great Britain. I mean, that's, that's evident. But, I, you know, now, now I confess something, Sergio. You know, um, I, I always believe, I, look, I'm a Pan-Africanist, Pan-Africanist on some level, right, on some level. But even, even I have to say, okay, wait a minute. You know, yeah. what there are there are no American black actors that that are out here that could do this role. Like we're seeing some rather high profile choices where it seems like black Americans aren't even getting like black Americans respectfully should get first dibs. Isn't that I mean, isn't that fair? Well, yeah, and like I said before, there is the uh, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Hudson movie which is coming out sometime in the spring, I guess. Um, but this this series is it's a mini series about her entire life, or most of her life. So this is going to get more play, maybe in a way because it's more expansive. You know, it's just like um, once again, th- th- I guess people are not talking about this, but I think it's an outrage that you got Daniel Kalula. Now he's a fine actor, and I'm sure everybody likes him. But you got Daniel Kalula is going to play Fred Hampton. The famous um, Chicago Black Panther leader, who was shot and killed in a shootout with um, with the, the police. Chicago police, and a whole cover right. up behind that, which eventually led to the uh, prosecuting attorney being um, uh, voted out of office. Um, Daniel Kalula playing. First of all, he doesn't look anywhere remotely like Fred Hampton, and I'm like. You and I was telling this. I was telling this to a friend of mine, and the first thing he said was, "He couldn't find an American, African American actor to play Fred Hampton." I, I, and on top of that, and it's even worse because um, Daniel Kalula, I, I bet you, bottom dollar, had never heard of Fred Hampton before. Now he's going to have to do research to try to understand Fred Hampton. It's like. Um, I'm sure Sinfra Rifa has probably listened to Aretha Franklin in her life, but, you know, she's not, well, not ADOS anymore, SBA, Foundation, Foundation of Black Americans. we got to start saying that now. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> um, ADOS with those guys, I think it's pretty much that as as BFA, as FBA. Um, uh, but she's not steeped in it. I mean, she's not steeped in African American culture. She is not. She basically has to learn a lot of stuff. I mean, what does she know about what really was Aretha Franklin went through uh, in her entire life? Because Aretha Franklin had a hard life. Um, you know, that's you can read up about that stuff, but you, if you haven't grown up with her and seen the struggle she has gone through, you're at a loss. You know, same thing with Daniel Kalula. Well, does it, speaking about favoring an act, you know, the actual person, Aretha doesn't look any, doesn't look anything like Aretha Franklin either. Aretha Franklin was a little taller than Aretha. I mean, Aretha is a short oh, woman. Oh yeah, Aretha is like it's like five feet tall. She's five feet tall. I think Aretha she's maybe four eleven. Uh, see, I mean, Aretha Franklin was like five five. Yeah. So I mean, so, I mean you know, so right. Uh, I mean, and again, she, she like, doesn't. Aretha, Aretha does just doesn't. She doesn't look half half the um half the interest in some of this stuff is what the actor. Okay, sometimes you you can get the essence. Like Denzel didn't really look well. He did look a lot like um. Malcolm, when you know he tended to, say, you know, it was you know there was an effort to try to give get get the likeness and the phrasing. So I felt like he really, you know, he's a he's a superb actor. So that's, that's just it's like uh, apples and oranges. But you know, look, he he was able to come up with it, you know. But with Erebo, I, I don't see it, man. You know, uh, no, um, no, I, uh, Jamie, I don't Fox, see it either. Jamie Foxx, you had to admit. Jamie Foxx, he was almost indistinguishable between himself and the real Ray Charles. I mean, he looked like Ray Charles. So, I mean, this yeah. if you're not com- if you're not going in that direction as an actor, then why do it? Yeah, you know, I remember this is back when I was doing interviews and things. I interviewed um, Jamie Foxx. Uh, you know, before the film came out, you know, he was doing publicity tour for the movie. And um, I talked to him about, you know, preparing for the role and all that stuff. And he was so incredibly deep and talking about, you know, basically living with um, uh, Ray Charles and what Ray Charles taught him about, his life and his music and the way how to perform and you know and and Jamie Foxx learning how to get into his character that is something that is profound and he was still quite moved by it and he would just tell me like little wisdom and bits of inf- I mean information and words of wisdom that Ray Charles would give him as I recall I think Ray Charles passed away just before the film premiered or correct, just yeah. after it opened Right, and so he was still still moved by that, and and um, that's something you can't get when you're a British actress living in London, portraying something who passed away several years ago, and all you really know of her is you know listening to her songs. You know, it's I, I don't know, you know, um, she, she's she's the black girl du jour right now. 
for some reason she's made the right friends, she's made the right connect, the right connections. They'll put her into anything. Before you know it, they want to probably cast her in the Lena Horn story. You know, you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, by the way, this this is irrelevant, but I got to say this right now. Um, but do you know that the archives? of Ruby D and Ozzie Davis are now at the Schoenberg Library and it's free and available to the public. That's something you ought to know. Okay, yeah, I would expect that. I would expect that. Yeah. That, that is good news. Um yeah. let's move forward. Let's let's move forward. Uh, again again this is kind of uh goofy comic book stuff but I think you might still be able to speak on it. Well yeah so it last... says a lot about the film business. <laughs> well last week, just to let the audience know, last week of course, Birds of Prey was released under the Warner Brothers label uh, studios. Warner Brothers, DC Comics, we're, we're very familiar with, I mean, as far as comic book heads, we're fam- we are familiar with the character. Harley Quinn actually started out as a popular cartoon. So before she was a comic book character, she was the cartoon girlfriend of the animated version of the Joker. She, be, you know, just the the voice actress, the voice acting, the the, the kind of uh, her, her being a compliment to the Joker was quite effective as a cartoon. So uh, they were able to success, segue that character um, into the movies under Margot Robbie, and I think Margot Robbie has done a fairly decent job up until last week, and. We spoke about it last week. Now we're hearing, and, and, and to me, it, look, it definitely speaks of desperation. But it's if it's not, um, uh, if it's not CGI removal of a mustache, it's the second week change up of a title. Now, Sergio, is, is this is this going to help any? Like the fact that it's so no, high it's never I mean, done. It has happened. It has happened before. Rarely it's happened, but it has happened before. Uh, I could probably count on maybe one hand the times when a movie was released and it didn't do well, and then they changed the title. The, the most famous the, one of the examples I can remember is a really, really great Robert Aldrich film with Lee Marvin called Emperor. It was originally called Emperor of the North Pole. It doesn't play. It doesn't take place on the North Pole. It's set in the 1930s during the Depression, um, and the, the North Pole refers to a train that Lee Marvin plays a hobo is trying to get a ride on, and this um, conductor played by Ernest Borgnine tries to keep throwing him off. And then there's this really brutal, violent fight between them on a flat car. The film came out first week. It tanked completely because people thought it was about Antarctica. So the studio changed the title the very next week to Emperor of the North. It didn't help. Uh, but once again, this is not going to help. Um, it was a bad decision to make the movie in the first place. Um, and I think, and also, like I said last time, there, there were already stories of production trouble. They had to bring in one of the uh, John Wick directors to basically co-direct the movie, even though he's uncredited, because uh, the director, some young one, was in over her head. Nothing helped. Um, and it, but it's not going to help. Now, all of a sudden, people are going to go turn around and see the picture because she has a different title. Nope. 
So, so there, there, so there, there, to your knowledge, there hasn't been a precedent where a studio changed the name of the title of a movie and it actually became successful. Like that. In other words, what I'm asking is, no, has, it, no. has it ever happened no, and it worked? No. No. All right. That's that, well. That's unfortunate. Captain, any thoughts as to you know? Again, here we go. Second week now. Now, full confessional. I will probably see it at least this time. I really couldn't see it because of time constraints. But I'm I'm going to check it out this weekend. But I'm <laughs> the name change just seems like really desperation. What are your thoughts? Cap. Do we lose him? I don't know. Cap. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What What are your right. thoughts about the name change? That's not going to help, man. People People just didn't buy in. They don't know who. They don't know Birds of Prey. They don't know who Harley Quinn is. They really don't know. You know, general audience, comic book heads, of course, knows backwards and forwards. But general audience does not know. Remember, people, remember, don't get into your feelings. Geeks and nerds, they're not making the movie for you. They start making movies for you, it's not going to do well. Case in point, all the geeks and nerds know who Harley Quinn is. General audience does not know. General audience does not know who Birds of Prey is. So some men, some men, it is some men, Maybe some women too, but let's go with the men since we're on the men now. Say, well, you're putting out this woman thing. Well, look, we've had Wonder Woman, iconic character, so that's going to do good. All right? Well, we had Captain Marvel, which was originally a man, by the way. But anyway, Captain Marvel, but Avengers is slick. They know what they're doing over there at Marvel with the Avengers and everything else with all their characters, meaning which they set us up where. You had to watch the Captain Marvel movie in order to really, 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 really know. You could have still watched the, you know, the Endgame movie without watching Captain Marvel. But if you're into it, you need to watch the Captain Marvel movie, which was so sort of all right, in order to enjoy the Endgame, really, so you could know what's going on. You're invested. So they were smart with that, too. So, and I think Black Widow... It's not going to flop. I don't know if it's going to do a billion dollars, but I think it would do a lot better than Birds of Prey because you know these characters. You know these people. You know who they are. So let me see what this is, man. Let me me, me get a little more inside of the Black Widow. No one knew Harley Quinn. No one knew Birds of Prey. What is that? Cosplay? Bunch of women dressed running around? What? What? what, You don't know the history. So they took a chance. It It wasn't smart on my part. So I don't think this is going to change anything. I just don't think. Movie was all right, though. should give it a check and check it out. Movie was all right. I think the real reason, you know, you didn't go check it was because you weren't really feeling it. (laughs) That's just between me and you. (laughs) Well, yeah, I said that. I said that. What what about the misogynistic vitriol? (laughs) That that they're saying now plays a role that, 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 you know, people are claiming or... Maybe it's clickbait, but they're trying to throw that out there. That men clickbait. men purposely push the kibosh on this thing. No, no, no. No, look. Women, women no, didn't come that, that, out look. either. 
<laughs> Look, like, like Captain Kirk said, nobody knew this Harley Quinn character. Nobody knew anything about her. Um, and number two was that I can't figure out what the character is. She acts like a little girl, but she goes around killing people. Now, you know, she so she's not – okay, let me phrase it this way because I'm, I'm being confusing here. Black Widow is tough. She's a tough broad who can handle herself. Okay, Harley Quinn is this woman who acts like a little girl, walks around with a sledgehammer or something, and you're like, well, I don't get this. Is she supposed to be tough? Is she supposed to be girlish? Is she supposed to be cute? Um, I don't understand what she's supposed to be. Well, well let me, let me, I'll answer the question. Let me just, I see that we have a caller here. Uh, we do have people that like to listen and not chime in. For those who are coming in, coming into the show, if you'd like to join in on the fun, if you'd like to ask a question, simply press one. Uh, okay, well, actually, we do. We have a person coming in. Let me let me, let me get to the call, and I'll, as I let this person in, let me just say quickly: um, Harley Quinn is the Joker's girlfriend. She was the Joker's uh-uh. psychi. She was the 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 Joker's psychiatrist. She was like a straight, a real straight-laced, not funny, serious doctor, Harley Quinzel, and she slowly falls in love with her subject. And she slowly becomes, like, a mon- as maniacal as the Joker. Which, if look, if you did a real Harley Quinn kind of, sort of, like the Joaquin Phoenix, if you were going to take it that way, it might have done exponentially better. Now that's who You're right. Harley Quinn is. You probably would have. You th- I mean, if you think about a woman who is real straight-laced, who's n- outwardly normal, and then, you know, this... This this wild man slowly. I mean, we've seen that kind of dynamic happen before, but they update it and put it and put capes on top of them. That might have been a, another billion dollar movie. Anyway, so let's go to two one five. Welcome to the midweek review. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. What's up? I'm calling from Philly. This is Universal more of a skill with your Afro nerd. Long time no see, man. Uh, What's up, man? I like. I, I'm doing all right. I like Harley Quinn, and uh, I think she's the. Uh, her character is actually what he described. You know, the flip side. Like she's completely psycho. Like the the most bipolar you could ever be. <laughs> yeah. She's like completely psycho, and then her being a psych, psych, a psych, and actually turning psychotic is like both polarized too so i think that 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 dynamic with her character alone is um does explain a lot of uh women walking around but uh be careful be careful you know these are the times sir these are the times you gotta be careful oh go ahead say what you want to say go ahead (laughs) now i'm scared Well, see, but let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Uh, going to what Debert said, the film would have worked if we had backstory. If this was the origin of Harley Quinn, um, uh, this film probably would have been very, very successful. Well, maybe not successful as Joker, but it would have done a whole lot better because that's what people. That's what makes a good film great. 
is, and I'm not saying Joker is great because I hate a Joker, but what I wanted to say is that um, we want to understand the character. What makes this character tick? How did, how did this person wind up like this? According to this movie, she's just going around creating havoc, and you're like, well, who is she? I don't know who she is. She just comes out of nowhere. She and her gang. It doesn't. And from what I understand, Birds of Prey involves Batgirl, and Batgirl's not even in the movie. Okay, that I didn't know. I mean, I, I could see it because she's in that universe. I mean, yeah. But it is not. There's another aspect to Harley Quinn also is that over the over the years, pretty much like um, let's say Wolverine or Deadpool, over the years, you know, these characters that you know, are, uh, let's say, morally ambiguous, they slowly start to morph into somewhat heroic figures. So over the last, like, seven years, Harley Quinn, who was squarely a villain, is somewhat of an anti-hero. So, you know, that's another thing, is, like, how do you make that switch? See, the problem is, that character in the movies is so connected to the failure of Batman vs Superman and and Suicide Squad and all that kind of stuff, it, it's it's it didn't have a really good foundation to begin with. So we don't like you said we don't know what we're walking into. It comes off like it's a, a telegraphed girl power movie, and maybe to and maybe to men that might be a turn off. You know, I just want to see a I just want to see a good comic book movie. And the funny thing is, I'm thinking about, and I, I know. You know, the captain has told me before, like, why do you have to explain myself? Well, these are the times. You know, I've been called a sexist before, lately or recently, recently. And and I I know that can't be true because Sister Knight, Regina King, killed it. Sister Knight, I got to say, I went out and bought a Sister Sister Knight T-shirt right away. Uh, Captain and myself, we had to teach some brothers at the Schomburg who had, had, you know, uh, shout out to Dashim and those guys. Um, they make excellent T-shirts. They had a Misty Knight T-shirt. Uh, you know, um, uh, Simone McKissick played her. Now she's on All Rise on CBS. So uh, there was a T-shirt, and I said, "Hey, yo, we we, we would buy those T-shirts. You got you got to you got to make it into a men's a men's shirt." So I find myself constantly supporting female heroines. Cleopatra Jones, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Sergio and myself would agree on her. You, they gotta be Word good. That. That's how you. That's they gotta how you be do. good. Well, you know that. <laughs> I, well, you, you know it, it's listen, like. Listen, let me it, say. Hold on, to Sergio. Just because a white man slept with black women <laughs> doesn't mean that he's racist. That he is not. He is not racist. <laughs> just because you wear a shirt after that, don't mean that you're sex. You're not sexist. <laughs> let's go. Let's, 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 let me be more specific. I support good female helmed products. I, I saw Wonder Woman the first time. I'm actually excited about Wonder Woman and Black. I'm a hell of a lot more excited. A hell of a lot more excited about a Black Widow movie more than I am a Captain Marvel movie and this Harley Quinn movie. But I'm looking at. Well, I'm know, also it, looking. I'm also looking at the Harley Quinn DC cartoon no, where you have JB Smooth. I thought. I, I thought I would not like it, but they're so over the top 
they got they got a little bit of they got you know what they got a little bit of um girl power in there, but it's more self assured girl girl power. They don't have to announce it. Yeah, yeah you know what I, I mean, there, bro. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They just do it. Like <clears throat> we 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 hear um uh what's the name Kaylee Cuoco from from um uh, the Big Bang Theory. The actress that the actress that played in the Big ba- Big Bang Theory, she is the voice for Harley Quinn in the cartoon. It's an adult cartoon. She doesn't explain herself. She just does it. Her girlfriend Poison Ivy. She does just does it. They don't give an f. Now, if they conveyed that into this movie, I would have been all over it. This movie seems like. Look at us. We're kicking ass. No. You just kick ass and shut up. Well, you know, two weeks ago, there was that female-centered sort of Jason Bourne ripoff called Rhythm Section with Blake Lively. And <laughs> and uh, he's laughing, and he should. That film had, when that film opened, I guess two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, that film had the lowest opening of any studio <laughs> film in 15 years uh it was this it was it was one of the biggest it's the, right now it's the biggest bomb of the year probably will be one of the biggest bombs i mean the biggest bomb of the year so far it probably be one of the biggest bombs of the year period by the end of the year it was a complete and total disaster the film was supposed to come out a year ago and had so many troubles production tr- problems and troubles and script problems um, you had to do reshoots and everything, released the film a year later, it totally tanked. Just because, and people said it was a terrible picture, just because you have a woman in the lead role in an action film uh, and it's directed by a woman doesn't mean it's 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 going to be any good or people are going to grow out to see, rush out to see it. You know, when I think of female action movies, of course, I think of Pam Greer. I think of Linda Hamilton in, in Terminator 2. I think, of course, Sigourney Weaver. You know, there have been yeah. many movies with female action-centered heroes. It, um, are women so, you know, desperate that they're, they're clean into, clean into uh, uh, Harley Quinn? You know, evidently not. Well, look, this is another, this, this is another thing, too. Go ahead, sorry. If it's a female-driven movie, you have a female director and it doesn't do well, it's the man's fault. That's just what it is, all right? It's oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, our, it's our fault. Right, right. That's it. Yeah, because we didn't go see it. Because it sucked. Why don't you blame women? They didn't go see it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Terminator Judgment Day came out in 91. You, know, you, you can't you can't go back that far allegedly. You can't go back to um, you know a, a, a superb kick-ass heroine. Looking at that film that many years ago, I never once felt like oh you know my masculinity is in jeopardy. Uh, this woman is too tough for me. Cameron was Cameron James Cameron was a master at this, and he, he, unfortunately he never really commits himself. He really hasn't committed himself to this franchise since this movie. That's you know what I mean he dips his toe in, but he needs to direct the Terminator movie. But anyway, what he did was 
the first movie, she was this this waif, and then she went through all that you know the the chase scenes. She went through hell being chased down. So uh, there was like six or seven years in between both films. I think like seven years later, Terminator Two comes out. You got a more mature Linda Hamilton. Her character, you can imagine, went through some stuff. She 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 was in an insane asylum. She's getting fit. She's getting ready. You could the, the trauma. She was able to acclimate to the trauma. So when she got in shape, it was completely believable, and it wasn't announced. There was no announcement. She just did. She just did what she had to do. It was more believable. But the, you're going through like a, a an issue with millennials and and Generation Z and Y. They they have to announce what they do. They're going to tell you they're hurt. I got a boo-boo. This is why I'm going to, I, you know, I, I'm powerful now. <laughs> you know, I got a nice jacket well, so I can kick your ass. Well, I, I mean, mean look, at the transfer, look at the transformation between Sigourney Weaver in Alien Another and one. Aliens. Another one. I mean, I, it's, Aliens is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. And you look at that picture, and you look at the journey that Sigourney Weaver makes in that picture. And in the first movie, she is a survivor, but, you know, she survives by her wits. In Aliens, she's a badass bitch, and she has that classic line at the end of the film when she goes toe-to-toe with the alien, and she says that line, get your hands off of her, you bitch, and they tow it out. And I said, boy, you know, I guess millennials don't millennials don't know movies that were made before 1995. I guess. What's the problem? He well, said that's you, the thing. The bitch. <laughs> well, you know, you can't say, say what? that now. He, <laughs> he, 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 he that's what she is. Word. That's, yeah. that's what she I'm just, is. I'm that's joking. what I'm she joking, is. I, that's what I'm joking. Go ahead. Got a joke yeah, well, with this, man. Well, that's what that's what that's what's at issue. We saw the development of Ripley. We saw the development of of Sarah Connor. Even Sarah Connor, the TV show, we saw all of this. But these other characters, they just arrived. You know, they just they they just arrived and they they swing their hair around and they start beating ass. No explanation. All we know is that they say they can do it and they do it. Nothing. It's just it's empty. You don't you don't know the you don't know these characters, you don't feel for them, you don't see their journey. But they they you you know, you make sure that the pronoun matches, <laughs> you make sure that all the check Well it is this is where we are, and you make sure all the boxes are checked. But your movie isn't good. That's the problem with uh with Captain Marvel. We never saw her journey really. Not really. But Marvel, but I, I like I still I still like Captain Marvel better than more than you guys. I still liked it. You know, I know a lot of people had major problems with it, but you know, for me, not look. I even know Captain Marvel was a woman. Okay, I didn't know. You know, I still confuse Captain Marvel with Shazam. So you know, so. Well, look. So, Seen the movie, I, mean, I enjoyed it. Too. <laughs> well, look, you know, look, you know, I'm always talking about the mythology, um, Sergio. But 
But Captain Marvel, Marvel Comics Captain Marvel was a man. <laughs> so, I mean, ori- originally, and he died of cancer. Right, it was a man, right. He was a man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, even talking about, I'm not even talking about the Shazam Captain Marvel. I'm talking about yeah, right. Marvel Comics. Marvel Comics had their own version of the character that you saw that was played by uh, Brie Larson. Matter of fact, uh-huh. if you remember when Annette Benning played her mentor, right? You remember that? And she dies. Annette, Annette Benning's character was called Marvell. M A R V E L L. That Marvell was supposed to have been a man. That's the original Captain Marvel. Even the, even that, they uh, bended and sex bended, gender uh-huh. bended. Uh, uh, but there is and then later on look and there was a, you know look there is a captain female captain marvel in marvel too but the original marvel was supposed to be a man uh-huh so well it, it is what it is like at least that part i don't know why they had to do that change like they could have at least allowed for there to have been the male original captain marvel and they didn't do that that's the one that Jude Law. I think people were thinking that Jude Law was going to be that Captain Marvel. He ended up being the villain, if you remember correctly. He was the villain. There were, there right. were flashes. There were flashes that uh, that were interesting in Captain Marvel. But the bottom line is, Marvel has set a standard. People are hungry for a Marvel fix, and I I'm, I'm b- believe that uh, Mobius Morbius is going to do well. Because it's, it's, such, it's been such a stretch of time. I mean, maybe the captain can confirm this. I think we're gonna it's gonna work like Venom worked. That it's been a while well, since we've yeah. seen a Marvel. It's been a while since we've seen a Marvel product, and people are gonna say, you know well, what? Like, I want to see something Marvel. Well, you know, right? They had. I, well, I think you told me it's coming out in April. As I told you, when I saw the trailer, I had never heard of this character because I don't know the stuff. I never heard of the character before, and I said, but this looks really intriguing. You know, I didn't know that he was a Spider-Man villain or something, but this looked intriguing. And I like Jared Leto. He's a really interesting, really interesting, eccentric actor. I like to know where you're going to take this thing. Now, as I said, when I saw the trailer... Also, Michael Keaton makes an appointment. And I'll, I'll watch anything with Michael Keaton. He's to me, he's still so underrated. You know, Michael. Oh Keaton. yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, still think, and you told me why it wouldn't be, but I, I would love to see this film is rated R. It looks <laughs> like it should be rated R, but most likely it's going to be rated PG thirteen. Um, I guess most people won't mind that, but. It just looks to me like like Venom, I thought, should have been rated R, but it was rated PG. I mean, you have a character who bites off people's heads. Gia. And he's going to be PG-13? Yeah, I, I think seen, they seem to be re, uh, resolving that, or, uh, or le- leaving that, pardon me, leaving that for Deadpool. Deadpool is a character so out of the box that they, you know, it had to be. In order for that character to work, you know he's so crazy and so humorous. Uh, it, it's not going to work as a PG character, not really. Well, you so, know, but, I um, um, they did that with Logan. 
The first two Wolverine films were PG-13, but when it was Logan, they went R. And, um, you know, I just loved Logan so much. I got the Blu-ray, and then I got the Wolverine, <laughs> believe it or not, because I said, okay, let me just watch Wolverine again to get into Logan again, you know, because Logan, I just thought they took that character and made him so memorable and so three-dimensional and so tragic at the end. And you really, and that what makes that what makes the film, it doesn't matter what kind of movie it is, it doesn't matter the movie, if you get into the character, that's what makes a movie great, you know? And you really got into Logan. You understand what he's been going through all this time. Uh, 215, any thoughts? We're going to go to a musical break, and I want to, go, I want to talk about uh, Mike Bloomberg, what that means. And uh, Cornell, West, Cornell West was dancing out there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, um, I, I think uh, Deadpool... Is truly an exception. He's to me. He's like the uh, Andrew Dice Clay, uh, if, if if you will, of the. Showing uh, your age now. <laughs> you know, because Andrew Dice Clay was known, but when he hit the scene, he came very hard, and he was uh, fresh, new, completely provocative, and just something that you know <laughs> was, was. He took every you know thing that. The whole, con- the whole franchise is about, and you focus it into one person, and I think that's Deadpool. All of the humor, all of the issues, all of everything is like embodied in him. And then there's that, you know, when Eddie Murphy looks into the camera, he has he's the most powerful one to me, <laughs> you know. But it, in, in my opinion, because that connection there. No other character has that connection, you know, and, and I think it's special that, you know, they would present him in such a way, you know, where it's, he's, he's going to go down in history and he, he's one of the least followed. He was one of the least followed in, 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 in the comics to date. So I think it was beautiful uh, what, what he represents as the franchise and has done for the franchise itself. I think that's pretty awesome, you know, but that's, I, I, I would talk about that. I, I would agree. And I think, um, personally, I think Jim Carrey might be a closer, even though I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I think Jim Carrey, as far as like someone, when he first hit the scene that could do anything, say anything, you know, yeah. uh, what was that movie, um, Sergio, that he did when he was, uh, he had adopted black adult children. He's taking a dump on the lawn. Um, me, myself, and Irene, I think. Like, like, well, me, myself, that's and like, I. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's suckling on a, on a strange woman's breast. You know, I mean, like, he was, he was like, that is Deadpool to me. Um, how Deadpool. Yeah, that film trans- is so funny. That film is oh, so, so funny. It is hilarious. So, so how, how Deadpool that we know now in two films. The key thing is how does that how does that Fox Deadpool translate into a Disney umbrella? That is what you want to see. I, I don't <laughs> see how they're gonna I don't see how they're gonna allow you know that's like that movie made almost a billion dollars twice on on less than a hundred million dollar budget for you know I mean it's just do you do you really mess around with that? I, I don't think they should change it at all. 
My God. Disney or not. You know, but Disney has a certain way of doing things. Family friendly and all that. Uh okay, so anyway, let me let me let me uh let me take leave of you two one five. Appreciate you coming in. We're gonna go to a groove and then we're gonna talk about Mike Bloomberg and you know, the, you minorities don't know how to act. <laughs> we we gotta put you on the wall. <laughs> I mean he was saying some reckless stuff. One would think. Anyway. Uh, this is cause and e-funk. <laughs> cause and e-funk. Two minutes, and then we'll talk about Mike Bloomberg. Hold on.
Michael Dean, the great Michael Dean for the Prince Podcast, he tweets out a link of a celebratory funk dance, funk dance. And I'm not, I'm not the biggest Dr. Cornell West fan, but I credit what, I give credit what credit will do. He is a boogeyman. I mean, that dude was <laughs> after the Bernie Sanders win in New Hampshire. This guy is like doing some kind of uh, you know George Clinton style funk dance. So, and I also remember that Cornell West used to be a frequent visitor to Paisley Park. So I, I, I'm sure there's some video of him doing exactly the same cutting up when DMSR came on. So I'm just saying I understand what he was doing, but I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd be doing the jig for uh, Bernie Sanders, but it makes good for a viral video. So again, Michael Dean. Matter of fact, um, to to our former president's bona fides, President Barack Obama. This video somewhere out there. Uh, when Pr- Prince was at the White House about a year before he passed, we see Barack boogieing on stage right next to Prince. I wish they have they, – they've got that video out somewhere. I guess they're waiting to release it. Maybe something that the, the, the Obamas will probably release via their Netflix deal, I hope. Just for the sake of history, I want to see the Prince performance at the White House. I always, I always dreamed – First, I kind of suspected that Barack was a Prince fan, and two, I would have I, I would have expected that Prince would have performed at the White House, and that, that had happened, like a full concert. Why that hasn't been released? Or may, I don't know. Maybe that's up to the Prince's state. I got to see that Prince and Barack on stage. Anyway, this is the is the midweek review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Oftentimes, the uncanny Daryl B. So let's talk about this Mike Bloomberg thing. Mike Bloomberg, our own former His Honor of NYC, multi-billionaire, head of the Bloomberg Media Corporation, Bloomberg Media Business Outfit. He's a real billionaire worth, I don't know, $70 billion, something like that, or $40 billion. I mean, he's, he's worth many, many billions of dollars. Uh, there was some controversy. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think Dr. Jason Johnson of uh, what is he? What, is, what does he teach? Does he teach at Morgan? He's a pol- political scientist. He's he also is a MSNBC contributor, and um, I believe he's a well, I know he's a friend and associate of Karen Hunter at SiriusXM. There was a hullabaloo between Dr. Johnson. And if I got the young lady's name, a politician, she is a Sanders acolyte. And there was talk. She said something about Bloomberg entering the race and called him an oligarch. And Jason Johnson took offense. MSNBC is is not so low-key dim version of Fox News. Let me repeat that. MSNBC is not so low-key the Democratic liberal version of Fox. They, too, had their own party-line biased and maybe maybe as outwardly biased as Fox. Like, Fox is unquestionably biased. 
forget about that, you know, fair, that, that fair mantra that they have. Um, so anyway, he is an oligarch. <laughs> if you look up the definition of oligarch, if you look up the definition, it means um, a person, a, 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 a multimillionaire that has political influence or a, a billionaire or someone like that, a baron, <clears throat> a money baron that has political influence. That's the, that's the actual definition. I mean, if you look up Mike Bloomberg in the dictionary, it says oligarch next to it. So, I mean, he didn't go through the trials and tribulations as, as the other Democratic candidates. He bought his way in. That's an oligarch. Okay. So, um, there's a footage that came out, and yet, you know, it's one of the uh, opposition. We don't know who. We don't know where it came from. I wouldn't doubt it's somebody from MSNBC. They do not. Let me repeat that. Uh, well, it can't be MSNBC because they seem to be favorable toward um, toward Bloomberg. So anyway, someone from the opposition probably released this tape. I don't have the tape. I didn't want to do it because it's kind of difficult to to hear. But to per- to paraphrase, paraphrase what he was saying, Bloomberg basically said, "Look, we have to we have to coat all these communities that are rife with crime. All this." He went as far as saying all the cities, <laughs> all the cities that have black and brown people in them or minorities, we need to have police all over the place. They need to be strung up. You need to look – if you're looking for marijuana, use that as a pretense. I mean he went in. He went in. They're killing each other. The crime is there. The reason why we go there is because, because the crime is there. So I guess the, the subprime interest rate loans – that were given out by the, the the wild men on Wall Street, and Wall Street is an actual street in Manhattan. You can go there. I guess crime doesn't occur there in the eyes of Bloomberg. And this is coming from me saying that. So I'm going to go around the horn, and uh, let's go to you know the captain. So what are your thoughts about, I mean, you know, he seems to be really – a softer Trump. I mean, isn't that kind of our version of there are, uh, you know, rapists of Mexican descent. And I, I, I suspect there's a few Mexicans, you know, that are okay people. I think, I mean, I mean, that's what, that's what Trump said. This is kind of our version of that, isn't it? Let me play your opposition right now. All right. Aren't you a proponent of don't you like this type of behavior? Why? Because he was on tape. Don't you? Don't you like this? Isn't this your man? <laughs> Sir, you, you asking me? Or you just rhetorical? Yeah, I can answer it. Well, look, like people are trying to break it to me because I've supported Snoop this one time. Not talking about Is Snoop. It? I'm talking about this right here. I know that, but I'm, I'm giving you an explanation. Um, I, look, everyone can go too far. I, I, I did support profiling. As a matter of fact, profiling is the natural is a natural order of things. Yes, it everyone is. profiles. So, so, so you know, when you say that, people look at you like I'm lying. But if you go to your dentist 
and you go to your doctor, and he's wearing a uh, a Hazi Selassie Jamaican um, J- Jamaican cap, and he's got a spliff coming out of his hand, out of his mouth, um, and his name is Jaquan. You ain't gonna. Well, you may Jamaican. not feel comfortable. He's not be named Jaquan. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, I'm just saying. Okay, it, it, you know. The, the, you get your point. So you get your point. Okay, so the, so so, I w- my contention is, I would want to see sensible profiling, sensible stop and frisk, where you can't just indiscriminately, like with cause. I mean, people do that anyway. See, people think like there's no way to stop. There's no way to stop a type of stop and frisk. Okay, because because cops, cops, well, hold on, let me finish. Cops have, cops have, cops have always had that um, that ability to pull you over when they when they think in their head that there is suspicion. Cops have been given that latitude for a long time, but he went full body, and when he and when he said it, you know, to this closed group. In this closed environment, it wasn't cleaned up enough. No, he said every city where there's minorities, there's crime. That's different than than saying going to a specific community where we know there's a high crime rate, crime rate, and doing a data purge. See, I, I, let, me, let me put it this way: I made this connection before uh, uh, many years ago, after 9/11, when 9/11. Uh, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, who again, another person. See, here's an example. I don't agree with Dr. Dyson half the time. He talks too much. Okay, he, there's an economy of words. He doesn't have it. Okay, but he did. Was it him? Yeah, I think he. No, it was Cornell West. No, yeah, I think one of those two had said that everyone's going to become an N-word after 9/11. And lo and behold. The Patriot, the, the, they brought out, Bush brought out the Patriot Act, and they instituted what was called data mining. Data mining was, they, they're, going through call, they're going through telephones, they're going through, your, they're going through your stuff. And people had a problem with it, but it was kind of like, like a stop and frisk as far as, as, far as information and, and, and computers. So what's the difference between data mining and stop and frisk? So if if Brownsville if Brownsville has issues, if Camden has issues, then you're going to have to do a data search uh intelligently to root out to address some of the to, to address some of the effort. Keep it at 100. He didn't say that behind closed doors. He went minorities, all cities. I mean, are you crazy? Go ahead. So wait a minute. Now, you want somebody in his position who, if you look at the bloodline, suppressor, oppressor, stressor, allegedly, all right, that has a judicial system that when a white man and a black man gets in front of the judicial system, the black man, from statistics, gets more time. 
the suppressor, oppressor, stressor. Who are they talking about? They're talking about the billionaire white guy and above him too. So he's just carrying out naturally what he does. You see, that's why stop and frisk is not going to be an assessment or anything such that. So that's not what the suppressor, oppressor, stressor has done since black people been in this country. We have all the statistics, you know. Now, we're not going to say everyone, but the suppressor, oppressor, stressor has pretty much handled us in this way, pretty much. Otherwise, you would get the same thing when you go before the judicial situation that the white guy gets. You do not. So none of this is handled how you would say, oh, can we get anything fair? Fairness is the illusion of the weak. We are the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do just what you want. He had the power, so he did just exactly what he wanted. <laughs> so that's what we are. He got caught. Now, man. listen, let me tell you something. And you, I think you, look, you, you have the right to confront me on this. And I'll, look, I don't lie on this mic, so I'll, I'll, and I might have mentioned this before. You know, I was a Mike Bloomberg fan. Look, I was a Giuliani, Giulia, look, look how Giuliani has changed. I was a Giuliani fan. Look, I'm not a nog. I don't have nog problems. So, you know, I liked going to a clean 42nd Street. I mean, you had to give it up. I remember both 42nd Streets. And it literally was night and day. Okay? It went from Cardi Bville to Disney when, uh, when Giuliani took over. And then Mike Bloomberg simply said, I'm just going to continue what he did. So on a personal note, and I'll, I'll say you know I'll say it straight up. I mean I think I said this on air to, to make the Prince connection. All things connect to Prince. Um, 2011, Mike Bloomberg was mayor, and there was a concert at Radio City Music Hall, and there was a snowstorm. And actually, Mike Bloomberg got into trouble for this because it, you know he was. This is where you saw that elitist strain, but it was to my benefit. So I'm traveling from Queens to the city. Queens was, you probably remember this, Captain. Queens was completely bombed out from the snow. Bombed out. So I, I, had, a, I had a different truck back then. So, and I was sick. But this is where you know the power of the mind. Charles Xavier, Black Charles Xavier, my other name. Black Charles Xavier. So you know what? I think I paid as much as $400 for these, for these like damn near front row seats for the Prince concert. 400 bucks, I was sick, but I, I willed myself to, to health. I said, I just, I can't, I just refused. So, you know what? I'm not going to be sick anymore. Black Charles Xavier willed, my, willed myself, and I'm in the truck. I'm excited. No longer sick. Snow everywhere. If I had the vet, it would have been a problem. I mean, I had it, but I didn't drive it. So I'm try- I'm like I'm seeing people slipping and sliding. I still went to the city. As soon as I got out of the Queens Midtown Tunnel, it was warmer and there was no snow anywhere. I was like, how is this possible? How is this possible? He got critiqued. You can look it up. This is this is in uh, Google. This you can Google this one, this thing. He caught flack because 
he made sure his rich friends in Manhattan were were like refreshed. No yeah. snow. No snow. But everybody else outside of Manhattan, they had to suffer. They didn't get that they didn't get that treatment. That's the day that I met um Mark Morial. I had better seats to him. <laughs> Mark Morial uh, former mayor of of uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, and also current head of the uh, Urban League. So I met his fine uh, his fine wife, who is a uh, newscaster, by the way. Oh, she's gorgeous. Anyway, um, so I, I I have a I I kind of have an affinity for Bloomberg in a selfish way. I, I'm selfish. I saw Prince in, in, in with no stress. In, in a warmer Manhattan, Manhattan was even warm that day, and no snow, no snow. I said I, it was crazy. But this right here, this right here is next level. It is. He went a little too far, man. Even I will admit look, that. Look, you're not elite. You're like everybody else. All right. You I'm, a, I'm elite adjacent. I'm they'll, elite they'll adjacent. <laughs> in the '80s. The hood, the quote-unquote hood, they learned because you had war on drugs. People would really say it's war on blacks, all right, and Latin people because the white man wasn't getting getting it, you know. If they were really looking for drugs, if you look, according to any demographic, it's 10% of the people that use or sell drugs. Since America is mainly white, 71%, they say, if you're late making a war on drugs, you go after white people. No, they went after the black and Latin people. Now, what they learned that you don't carry drugs if you're selling, and you don't carry a gun on you in the 80s. That's why a drug dealer stand on the block, you go frisk him. He don't got nothing on him. All right? He has to go get the bick, as he would say, and he go get the drugs, or if he got problems, he got to go get his gun. He learned. So what does this do? We got more guns. And we got more drugs in New York City than we did in the 80s and than we did in the 90s. That's the reality. So this is just, everything that he did was just bogus. He might have made Manhattan look nice, but it did not work. We got the statistics on it. It didn't work. You just harassed people. You need to try something else. That's the reality of it. So what goes around comes around. You understand? That's the reality of it. That's what it is. We have all the statistics. That's what it is. So, whatever he gets, he gets. <laughs> That's on him. Well, look, He's a billionaire. We're being, what does it matter? We're being told that the black vote. Actually, I'm hearing. I'm actually hearing more about the black vote, where before you were hearing the black women's vote, which I kind of appreciate because this is kind of kind of what this whole Gale thing was about. It's like as if black men aren't part of the equation. Black men are really part of the equation. So now I'm hearing more about the black vote. How, do, how does the black vote play into Mike Bloomberg? Because I, I thought the numbers, I thought there were some numbers that came out that kind of said that um, Bloomberg was getting somewhat of respectable numbers from black people. I mean, Biden was out there from him. Like, black people were kind of going in this direction a little bit. I don't know what that says now since this tape is – there are tapes now of this guy talking this way. And he went to black churches. I mean, like literally the day he announced 
uh, day he announced he was running for president, he's in black churches apl- apologizing. I don't know what that means. Well, I know what it means. I don't know. I don't know what it means. What, what do you think? Let me bring Sergio in on this. Does this play a role uh, as to how this could play out going forward? Let me go to Sergio. No, you're talking to me? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll talk about Jason Johnson later. The, the, woman, the, the woman who called him oligarch was Nina, Ta- Nina Turner. Nina Thank you. Turner. That's right. Thank you. Right. And Jason Johnson's kind of a weird guy. Sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't, but he sure is a hell of a lot better than uh, Joyce Reed. Jesus Christ. Um, and Jason's been on Tariq's show, you know, so I can't put down the brother that much. But anyway, now what happened is this. When this whole thing came out about what Bloomberg said, look, this just shows you how powerless black people are. True. Because... Politicians use anti-black rhetoric and actions to get elected. And then they turn around and then use us to try to get our vote. Happens all the time. You know, um, uh, uh, Buttigieg. There's no love lost between Buttigieg and, and, the, uh, and the black community in South Bend. They have all kinds of stories to tell you about him. Guy had nothing but contempt. He even told one black uh, resident, you know, I don't care about your vote or something to that, to that nature. Now he knows that he needs the black vote in order to win, and now he's trying to make inroads, but of course it's very clumsy. Donald Trump. You know, what What did Bill Maher say? Uh, he tried to make the State of the Union dress look like BET. Now, you can say <laughs> now you can say that he's not really going for black votes. He's trying to convince those suburban women that he's not as bad as he is. It's not really about reaching out to us. Now Bloomberg is doing his apologizing. Hey, even, even Kamala Harris, her record as a district attorney and state's attorney was abysmal towards black people. Then she turned around, and she used to go calling herself the first Indian person in California, the first Indian. Now, all of a sudden, she's running for office. She's black. You know, they always use anti-rhetoric against us, and then they turn around and want to vote. And then we're powerless because now we're faced with who's the least racist, you know? Um, gee, do I have to make a deal? Do I have to vote for the devil I know or the devil who maybe I'm not exactly too sure about? We are completely powerless. Uh, it's It frustrates me. It really frustrates me. And the fact of the matter that, I don't know if you mentioned this, I, I can't recall, but Biden has lost half his black support, according oh, to yeah, the latest yeah. poll. That's very true. Uh, because and evidently it's going to, it's going to Bloomberg. Because black people want to vote for somebody who they think can beat Biden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who can beat Trump. That's what they're going for. And they have to make a deal with the lesser of the two devils. Um, That's not great for us. You know? And suppose Bloomberg gets elected with the black vote. What's going to happen? He's going to turn around and ignore black people or do whatever. He got our boat. He doesn't need us anymore. And I can well, say no, that well, for Buttigieg. And I can say that for uh, who is leading right now. Hey, I can even say that for Sanders. I can say that for any politician. 
Well, you know, what you said was very on point. I give you kudos on that. I mean, that's just, you can't get any more square than that. Um, the only thing that I would disagree with you on, and it's not really a disagreement, it's, just, it's really, you, what you said was correct. But the part about black people not having any power, it's because they, they think that way. Like, there, there is a way. Okay, I'll give, black, I'll give you that. I'll let, give you that. I'll give you that. Let's right. put it that way. We're so used to not having any power. We're so used to being in a losing position that we don't think we have any kind of agency. We don't think we can't do something. And we make these kind of repeated, patented, patented mistakes that are frustrating. Um, like, for instance, even with this stop and frisk thing, like old school black folks, old school classic blacks, they, if something goes down, even going back to the plantation. Look, you were on, when you were on the plantation, you were with a, you were with a sociopath. You were, you were with a sociopathic family. You were their pets. And even then, black people knew, this is a black history moment, by the way, even then you knew call and response, you had Negro spirituals, you knew all kinds of slick maneuvers to outwit this, this beast. Then you go into, then you go into uh, Jim Crow, black folks knew how to navigate even back then. That's how you end up, with have, that's, that's how you end up having a green book. You, ha- you had a, you had a, a mail deliverer who was able to concoct a way to avoid sociopaths, sociopaths. So now all of a sudden, we're in the, gener- the, the Generation Z, the millennial moment, and no one knows what to do. Now we're, we're balling up in, in fetal positions, and we're crying, and we don't know what to do. Okay, so well, uh, in, in the case in the case of Mike Bloomberg, there's a couple a couple of things you could do. I'm just thinking out of the box. One thing is, okay, you if you have this tape, and it's like, this is where you do your Sam Jackson moment, and you say, you know, you're effed up, right? You know, you're effed up, right? You do your Sam uh, as a collective, black man, the black collective, they do their Sam Jackson. Approach to Bloomberg Telling him you know you effed up And you cut a deal We will uh, come in for you But you got to correct that And we're supposed to get A, B, and C That's uh-huh. how it's supposed to That's how it's supposed to work Or Isn't that Bill Duke? If, Bill Duke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right Thank you Yeah, you're right Bill, yeah, yes, thank you Bill Duke, yeah, Bill Duke did I think I had the, the cold audio on that one I think I might have to find that audio I did have that Yeah, so Yes, you effed up. You got to do something for us. You approach him behind closed doors. That's one way. The second thing is, if he actually is doing this stop and frisk thing, you think the community would get together and kind of get these brothers to play a kind of cat and mouse with the cops? Like you know, I mean, in other words, you have to kind of stick and move to go along with these initiatives, but to be a victim and let things happen to you. See, old school black people, there have been a number of cases where de- decrees would go out, white folks were crazy, and black folks would do things to make it difficult. Like, that's, what the, that's what the Montgomery bus boycott was about. The Montgomery bus, bus boycott was like, okay, we're going to do something to circumvent this nonsense. Black people, white people would do something, black people would actually physically do something, some kind of planned initiative 
as a response. Now, now, I don't see any indication of that actually oh. happening. Go ahead, go ahead, Sergio. Well, there's another, there's another thing which, unfortunately, because of the situation we are in, we can't, we're kind of, it's risky to doing, and that is not vote. Now, uh, a statistic which I found out last week, which amazed me, which I didn't know, was that in 2016, the Hillary Clinton campaign thought they had the black vote locked up, and they estimated that they were going to lose less than 1% of of what Obama got in 2012. She wound up getting, getting 6% less black votes because black people said we ain't voting for her and we're not voting for him. She lost. If that 6% had come out to vote, she would have been president today. We have that option. Now, you could go to a Bloomberg or to a Buttigieg and say, look, we know your record. We just not, ain't going to vote for you. Plain and simple. We we don't even we, we're not even talking about fifty percent. We're talking five percent. We're talking ten. We're talking less than eight percent of the black vote doesn't come out to vote. You've lost. Well, look. Let me tell you something. How Blackie gets gets down. Going back to nineteen ninety two, there was a there was an independent, not that dissimilar from Bloomberg, another wealthy guy. His name was Ross Perot. Ross Perot died in the last couple of years. Ross yeah, Perot, I remember him. Of Ross Perot really looked like this guy that was saying he was talking in a certain way, and he was resonating. It's only way, if you remember correctly, he had some kind of military dude, like some kind of some kind of uh, captain or something, or admiral admiral that was a his, his running mate, and he did horribly uh-huh. in the debates. Like he. He didn't know anything. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Cannot remember yes. his name. But, but right, he did that, horribly in the debates. He right. did, I mean, he just didn't know. He, he was like he was, like he, was he, like he had dementia or something. Yeah. That, that, the reason why I mentioned that is that there was one thing, one, one mishap and also a, a conversation he had with black people. He said something that I did not take offense to. This guy said, look, you people are getting screwed. Now, you know, you know after he said that, now, now, you know how that worked. He simply said, it's obvious that you people are getting screwed. Black folks lost their mind. You can look it up, Google it. Because he used the term, you people. Yeah, he gave, Black, it, he gave it at a speech at the NAACP. I remember that speech. Um, and also, don't forget, he was a Texan, so he had kind of like that draw. So he didn't he didn't come out like you people, like y'all people, like y'all people. And you know, when black people hear heard that, sound like some old white southerner talking about you know, <laughs> <laughs> property on this plantation. You know, no, but, but, I like y'all but, people. But what? But why? Why? Why did I get it? Like I didn't. I didn't get. Offended by because he was taught it was you people. He he could he he is saying yes you people are getting screwed. Yeah. He was actually trying to he was actually trying to connect to black people 
this is like a niggardly moment. You know, you, you had a, uh, you know, you, you you had famously you had a you had you had a Washington um, official who has a vocabulary. I happen to know I happen to know what niggardly means or and meant. He used the term niggardly around black people. N i g g a r d l y, and black folks lost their mind. And I said, I want to put my Put, I want to put my face in a in a hole and just like not I don't I, I was so ashamed because wow you know you do know that this is not the same as the other word so now words that sound like another word you, would bigger hurt you bigger figure <laughs> I mean where are we where are we gonna go with this and then he lost his job I mean. He got it back eventually. But this is all because black folks don't know what a thesaurus means. And this is the same thing. This is different if Perot was talking like some other kind of way. He was talking specific to the black problem. You nogs got it bad. That's how Africa would have said. You might as well throw grape at me, grapes and, 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 and fruit at me also then. That's what I said. After that happened, there's no we 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 we're we're out of it. We're out of it. And 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 we got about three minutes remaining. And I'll I'll leave it at this on this whole presidential deal and with Bloomberg. Um, I always thought that President Barack Obama got a, a an unfair shake because the first black anything is not going to be what you want him to be. Okay, when 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 um, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947 he didn't have the same kind of access of like Ken Griffey Jr. or Sr. He, he didn't have it like that <laughs> okay it takes the first for there to be a tenth but Nogs is saying that well he didn't do anything well black folks didn't actually have any kind of presented black Black plan. Okay, now we actually we actually after Barack Obama, now that you have the devil in the pitchfork in the White House, now Blackie has a black agenda. You really didn't have a black agenda when you had a black ass president. You have one now though. Well, but they, but they hold on, let me some, hold on, let me finish this point. Let me, let me finish this point. So what I'm saying is, it's not the president to make up your you people's black agenda. You didn't have it. Now you kind of have sort of one. Go ahead, Sergio. Well, sometimes we got to get smacked in the head before we get it. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Um, um, as I was saying for all the eight years of the Obama, Obama presidency, you know, he was not Superman. He was not going to solve all black people's problems. Black people kind of deluded themselves that he that he was going to. He he first and foremost he was a politician. Um, he was a politician. He wasn't Marcus Garvey. He was a politician, and so um, black people were standing around waiting for something, waiting to be one big fish fry, and it wasn't going to happen. Now. 
that, as I said, we got smacked in the head, and uh, we finally now get it. Now black people are crying. Now black people are scared. You know, I saw, what, Jason Johnson, I, I saw this too much uh, hyperbole, but I think yesterday he was MSNBC, and he was talking about the, this whole thing with with um, Bloomberg and the tape. And he said, this election is going to be a matter of life and death for black okay. voters. And I go like, well, no, it's not life and death. It, life and death was back in 1910, when you could walk down the street and you had a 50-50 chance that you were going to be lynched. Okay? Um, if, if Trump gets reelected, we will survive, because that's what we always have done. You know, it's not a matter of life and death. Like, we're all going to die. You know, things will be bad, but we will survive. But, oh. yeah, black people better get their ass in gear. Yeah, no, on, on no that note. About yeah, we're out of time. On that note, no. um, as usual, we'll revisit this again on Sunday show, 6 p.m. Sergio, as always, always appreciate you coming through, man. Appreciate it so much. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Look, we saw LeVar Burton in 1977 get that beating. That's the worst it gets. <laughs> from, from, from Kunta to, if, you, if you can keep your name, okay? But then, look, Zaire to Zaya, maybe that's the new, the new Toby. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, please. Anyway. No. Oh, oh, come on. No. Oh. Well, well, look, that's, well, you know. Oh. <laughs> your name is Zaya. Zaire, oh. Zaya. <laughs> anyway, I just want to know where they, she. Where, I, I just want to know where, where, where she's keeping that jar. That's all I want look, to know. They, they castrated you then. They're castrating you now. I'll leave it at that. Anyway, Evidently. Charlie Hunter, Charlie Hunter, Athens. Thanks, Sergio. Sunday, six p.m. It's been real. <laughs>